0: Sorry, right, We're closed. All right, Sean, Welcome back. And I if you I don't know if you I'm sure you have since you're a co-host, looked at the title of this. I did. In, in the 11th hour, I decided to make a, a quick <laughs> um, uh, audible to something that happened recently in uh, my business world. And I'm curious, because I put it on Twitter on TikTok yesterday, and I'm certainly getting mixed reviews on how I handled the situation. And people, I, I mean, I thought I was 100% exactly the right way to handle it. Um, other people aren't so thrilled sometimes with me. I had like a 50-50 response. So I'm curious, and that's why I'm going to post it on here, I think it may be a good listen for people at home. To kind of take a listen exactly what had went wrong, what happened, and whether or not uh, Old Pat Westad handled it correctly. But this is what we got, John. And I think I told you the story. I definitely told you the story. But let's get your opinion as well. So we had a one of my bartenders. uh, She had a shift, and uh, eleven a.m. of that day, she was notified that she that. Uh, the manager wanted to come in, not at six, but at five thirty. She ne- decided to not respond to said message and not show up at five thirty. And then at five forty-five, the manager, th- thinking that she is late now for not just the first time, had um, uh, said, "Listen, don't bother coming in. You know, you, you, you're late now for the fourth time, or what have you. Uh, no need for you to be here." I get a text message from this young lady, uh, and she asked me why lo- her, she lost her shift 15 minutes prior to her shift. I go, well, have you spoken to the guy? She obviously says uh, "You know, she wasn't able to get a hold of him or whatever, but instead of instead of trying to reach out and talking to the guy again, she decides to just put me in a group chat with him and ask him on the spot. Now, obviously, that's gonna cause a ruckus. Uh, he's going to be pissed that she went over his head, uh, especially in a public way. And now I'm left with the decision of how to handle this situation, find out who's wrong, who's right. But the way it was handled was so poor, you immediately lean towards the manager in this situation. Do you not, Sean? Well, I absolutely do. The thing is, I mean, the here's
1: the, here's the phrase going through my head right now, is this person is just not an adult. Uh, this is not, and, and that's probably not even a fair way to say it because most adults probably aren't like this. This person's just not accountable for who they are. Um, they, you know, they're, they want the excuse that can't be their fault. Uh, and, you know, they don't see, and this is, you and I have kind of talked about this. You got. You and I have talked about this a lot. Where it's just like we're just having a rational. We're just having a rational conversation here, and being able to, obje- you know, observe a situation rationally, uh, and you know, you're just in that situation. You've received that message. You know that message is there, uh, and you you just you simply have to be accountable to, to your actions in this world. You have to simply be accountable to uh, the decisions that you make. And this person is not of that caliber.
0: Yeah. I would I would agree with that, and like I said, I feel as though the way I handled it was telling her to never put me in a group chat with with the manager ever again about this type of stuff, and then I spoke to her and I spoke to him, uh, and you know came to a reasonable conclusion. Uh, but what I told her in the conversation was, listen, you might have you know she had mentioned this whole story about how she had mentioned to the manager that she that Thursdays are very difficult for her instead of calling out and saying you know I can't work Thursdays she tried to make it work the whole bit and when i said listen those are all fine and good but the moment you don't respond to him puts me in a position that doesn't allow me to really take your side because immediately you're now you know putting myself in the middle of these of you two and to be quite frank, my manager is probably going to last a lot longer with my, with my, st- with my staff and, and how I'm growing than you are. You know, bartending is not her first job. She, it's just a second job to make some extra side money. And now you're asking me to, whether he's right or wrong, you're putting me in a position now where I have to make a, a decision. And listen, did I have a conversation with the guy talking about how, listen, we, maybe we give him a little bit more heads up and all that stuff but yes but I did it privately. I certainly didn't respond to the group text about it. And it's just it's just an interesting situation. And again, the reason I brought it up is the fact that I put it on TikTok last night and I got I got responses. So some responses talking about it, and this is why I labeled it chain of command. I got responses saying um you know people were saying you know you have to follow that chain of command, right? You have to go to him first, then to me so on sometimes people are like you have sometimes you ha- as an employee you have to escalate it past the manager because they're not doing what they need to be doing and we need it to we need to talk to the guy who makes real decisions uh and I was like that's all fine and good you just can't do it publicly but then I got a lot of people saying oh it sounds like you and your manager suck uh <laughs> some <laughs> you know. more
1: unaccountable people
0: yeah, it sounds like you. I would never work for you or your manager. Someone has said it was a law that I had to give them twenty four hours notice. I went and looked it up in New Jersey. There, there's I I couldn't find such law <laughs> that states that we had we had to give twenty four hours notice uh, as to when your shift might change. It seems as though there are a, with companies two hundred and fifty or more employees, there are certain things you have to do in order before changing a shift. But it also seems as though. They're not—they're not in the hospitality space. They're talking about like, like Fortune 500 companies. Oh yeah, it that doesn't feel as though, no, this just doesn't feel as though those rules are, are they're not going for the hospitality, but the bartender the serves. They're going for like, if you work for J.P. Morgan, and instead of your typical nine to five, you're working. You're, hey, I need you to work, you know, twelve to eight today. Uh, you that that you requires notice. Regardless, of that I, I found so many different negative responses to my post. I thought I found it very interesting. Uh, and well, you definitely want expect- to give you definitely
1: want to give them as much heads up as you can, right? Like, and obviously things change on a dime, especially in that industry. You know, somebody calls out, and you know, I I, I see that. I <laughs> oddly, I like you and I both have zero experience whatsoever. <laughs> it's interesting. You and I have zero experience whatsoever, like beyond whatsoever on in this in this world. It's like. Like people, like my my girlfriend, she'll talk about, uh, you know, like changes in shifts, like working extra hours, and they're like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, not really. You know, when I when I worked for the Lakers, my role was 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, there was no hours to this thing. Uh, there was no, you know, it would, I wasn't getting paid overtime. I do not. I simply do not resonate with that with that experience. I understand that that is the reality of most people, um, but. And you definitely want to give them as much notice as you possibly can, but uh, there has to be some understanding there. But at the same time, like what I look at is I'm like, like people are people. They don't change. Humanity is not going to change. These are going to be the same problems that arise 300 years from now in in a local tavern. Uh, hopefully Green Rock or McSwiggins or and all those other places are still around at the time, but... Uh, You know, like this, these are the same problems that were uh, that are always going to exist. And from the business perspective, I'm always thinking about like, how do you how do you hedge against that? Like, what are the systems that have to be in place in, in order to, you know, make that make that better? Like, how can they how can they be? How can they be? How can they be better prepared for, like, dealing with that situation? I was recently at a, a Texas roadhouse. This is a story I've been telling a lot lately, which is interesting. Uh, but I was recently at a Texas roadhouse in middle of nowhere, Virginia. Uh, and we get into the Texas roadhouse, and we, uh, you know, we say, hey, you know, party of four. Uh, we, They're like, cool, yep. And they grab the menus, and they start walking us towards our table. We get to the, we get, like, 20 feet into the restaurant. And she stops and she points at this like freezer and she's like, she's like, would you guys like to pick your steak for tonight? And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Like what an interesting system they have in place here to try to get us to buy the steak as opposed to like the, you know, the $12 burger. We get back. We, we, you know, nobody bought steaks. It didn't really work. But we go, we go sit down and then she goes, you know, she's taking our order. And when she asks us, you know, how, you know, like, what do you want? And I'm like, oh, I'll take the country fried steak uh, and french fries and she goes do you want your fries loaded and i was like damn like there it is again like another system in place to to uh ensure execution of of the you know of what the business needs Uh, and that's what i love about the systems is, is like it it doesn't ensure, it doesn't guarantee it, but it makes the likelihood of following the chain of command, likelihood of uh, doing what you're supposed to do as opposed to like like hoping that they are going to be accountable, hoping that they're going to do the right thing. Uh, what I've learned, and I actually tweeted this this morning, is that like humans do not change. Human nature is always going to be the same. The same problems are always going to arise. And I think it's up to the business to, you know, what, what, do we, what can we put in place here to make sure that we're on our game and like we're actually getting we're actually you know behaving p- properly you
0: know i you know what i speaking of that one of the first responses to my TikTok was talking about how i didn't have proper escalation policies in place hmm. now speaking of me and you not having much experience in the corporate world you know i went straight from baseball to this I had never worked a, a corporate job in my life. I certainly don't know. I did, I, mean, I went to school, so I, I certainly have some background in, in how some of these corporations work because that's what they teach in school. But I never worked one. So there are certain things that like pop up, and I was very happy to see that because I was like, I do have an escalation pro- policy, but not like a, a formal one. And as I'm growing here now, I have five places. I'm trying to buy more. So you know, as I grow and grow and grow, you know, having these types of things pop up where it's like, okay, you know, maybe I need to put a formal escalation policy in place where you have to reach out to said manager. Uh, you know, sp- you know, try to speak to them. You know, if they don't answer, you have to try twice or whatever before you know escalating the, the problem. Um, or if you you don't like the the man, you can't just always escalate the problem if you don't like the manager's response. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, there's uh, like maybe having something, in, looking into some of these um, companies' escalation policies, exactly how how to operate them. And a lot of these companies also have HR departments, which is which is what they do what they do for a living. You know, they go. But in, their and their whole these.
1: thing is systematized or systematized. I don't know if it's systemized yes. or systematized because they have that remember Toby Flenderson, he's got the huge binder and he finally gets to use the gun violence <laughs> section.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, they, they it, it it's just like I said, if it's a very anytime I post anything on TikTok, minus like the 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 funny banter stuff, you always expect some sort of pushback as to how you're operating, especially in business. You know, and they, you know, the first time I ever posted something about business was talking about the tipping culture. I got absolutely, you know, just absolutely crushed on TikTok about it. People did not like my view on tipping culture. And then, you know, posting this, you know, there it was fifty-fifty. I had some people that like it, some people not like it. But you always expect some type of pushback. But sometimes, as I'm seeing now pushback can actually help me, uh, you know, kind of put some systems in place possibly that might be beneficial to running the business. Uh, when in reality, you know, when you know, ju- you're kind of just doing, it, especially when I've known a lot of these people for so long, you know, this person reaches out to me. I'm like, oh, geez, here we go again. And now all right, I'll deal with this, blah, blah, blah. But when in reality, you know, this is a good opportunity to find those spots to kind of put something better in place. Yeah. In order to make to ensure that this doesn't happen on uh, a larger scale, and people, you know, have an idea of exactly how to run the business, and or how, not how to run the business, exactly how the business runs, and how to how to kind of, you know, do what we're supposed to do as far as you know this this scenario, whether it's you know tipping out bartenders at the end of the night, whatever yep. it might be, uh, just a little bit more systematic in 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 how we do, handle things. But anyway, that was that was it. I was just curious as to you know what your thoughts were. I'm very curious. Um, yeah, and I also thought it'd be a good little, I want to say brain teaser, but something. You know, if I was listening to a podcast like on the way to work right now, yeah, it's, it's a real a life scenario. Eve, yeah, people are like, ah, I wonder what's going on here? But anyway, moving on. You studied Sean, and by studied, I'd say lightly studied, uh, but you studied Fortune. Uh, (laughs) fortune's top 400 richest people in the world okay so i did nothing of the sort uh i
1: i i analyzed forbes top 400 richest people in america
0: (laughs) so well analyzing (laughs) is another word for studying yes uh, and uh, I said Fortune 500 today, and you said Fortune 400. So you can no, I
1: it. did not. I was said four. I just said I just changed to 400. I didn't say Fortune because it's not Fortune.
0: Fortune does companies. Oh, okay, well, you yeah, think you're lying to me because I'm pretty sure you said Fortune 400 because I remember saying that doesn't sound I bet right. You do say that. A- anyway, regardless of that, why don't you give a little background on what you what you were looking into so we can get to a little bit of a combo here?
1: All right. So basically. I've just been curious, I've just, I've been reading a lot of I've been reading a lot of literature on just like general success, like studying success and like trying to figure out how it's done. And one of the interesting things that I'm coming across, like I mentioned before, is that like human beings are predictable uh, and like human nature is predictable uh, and If that is the case, like it's really hard to explain. It's almost like a little metaphysical. Uh, But basically what they're saying is that like there's like a flow of success that's always happening. There's a flow of wealth that's always happening in this world. Uh, And if you can position yourself uh, with that flow it's a lot easier for the success to float in your direction versus some of us. A lot of a lot of times we feel like the money's just always flowing away from us. A lot of business owners, that feel like they're like anti-money, like people, their money just is like rejecting them at all costs. Uh, and it's like, how can you position yourself with the predictability of human beings through your marketing, through your advertising, through your offers and things like that? And uh, or just in general, like even through like investing. Uh, so m- my thought is like, okay, If that's the case if it's really predictable and one of my favorite quotes of all time from Jim Rohn is that success leaves clues and what I wanted to see was I wanted to go on the Forbes 400 list top 400 wealthiest men and women in the United States and I wanted to see where the wealth was flowing like where does the majority of the like where is the money. That's what I wanted to find out, was like, where is the money? So what I wanted to do was I was going to scroll through the entire list of 400. And I was going to categorize them based on the industry that they created their wealth in. So I went through uh, and I tallied it up. And here's what I found. I guess far and away, the number one... Industry where wealth is being generated significant wealth is being generated is finance out of 400 of them a quarter 105 of them were their top their top wealth generating flow came from some level of finance it was uh, private equity was on there a lot. Hedge funds was on there a lot. Investments was on there a lot. There were another 22 members of the list who had something, some sort of financial flow, but it was just not their main thing. So it could have been like, you know, started Home Depot and investments and private equity and venture capital. So there were a grand total of 127 people on the list who had listed finance, some sort of finance as their as their way of creating and generating that level of wealth underneath that the second biggest was 62 so we went drop from 127 to 62 uh, was tech so it's a wide variety of places where where tech you know some, some sort of tech startup you know it was all sorts of different things in there on the other side of it uh, was like a, I was looking at things like real estate uh, which is a known wealth generating deal for forever Uh, only had 22 people on the list Uh, one of the other ones i thought was interesting was e-commerce e-commerce only had seven people of the list one of which was jeff bezos and what was interesting to me about that was i was like well is e-commerce not a place you want to be is it not that sufficient in generating wealth or is jeff bezos just dominating it so much that it's hard for anybody else to 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 pop up there. I think I think it's possibly the latter over the former but there's all sorts of different ones. We have uh, real estate was 22 medicine. So like medical devices was the big one on that. Uh, there was only 10 people from the medicine community uh, retail uh, 19. And the interesting thing to note about the 19 people that were listed on this list uh, that were in retail was that like 12 of them had the last name Walton uh, so they were somehow heirs to the, wa- uh, the Walmart Fortune. Uh, food, food services, 31. Energy, like oil and gas. That was 22 people on that list. Media, so there was like cable. Uh, there was like video games, like cable TV, video games. Netflix was on there. Reed Hastings was on there. Uh, Steven Spielberg was on there, which I actually found fascinating. Uh, there was there was 23 media people on there. 10 sports team owners. Only four from insurance, which is surprising to me. And three from agriculture. I think if we, if we went back 150 years, I think agriculture would be – 500 uh, or not 500 but 200 uh, and now it's only three it just shows you how times have changed so i don't know patty what are your thoughts on it? what are your takeaways what What do those numbers mean to you
0: you know it is it's an interesting thing and like we spoke about yesterday when it comes to finance people i mean they're investing in a bunch of different types of businesses so it's like an, an intriguing. An intriguing kind of thought process. Where, they, yeah, finances is an industry, but they're just making money on other industries. Right. Uh, so it, it's it's I, I and, you know now. When obviously, you asked me, you gave me a little trivia. Which one would it be? Obviously, I I looking back, my first answer should have been finance, but it's almost like a cheat code as far as you know what industry really brings in the top. However, many um, uh, billionaires are the top the top four enough. Like we'd have to world. look at like their actual investments to know
1: like where where yeah, is the money where do are they, they make putting money? that like a, that investment dollars into it. But what I found really yeah. interesting, and and I you know I mentioned this a little bit yesterday, was like where I want to know is like where is the money flowing right? So it's pretty clear that the majority of the wealth, majority of the cash in this country is flowing into investments right so then we got to look at like just American population as a whole how many people how much money is being invested into from a normal nine to five or they work at you know they work at I don't know they're an accountant somewhere I don't know why accountants just like the go-to job uh, but they are an accountant somewhere like how much are they investing you're probably saying like maybe they have uh, you know some uh, in some f- mutual funds that they're in, or something like that. Uh, that's another, that's a whole other thing to talk about. Maybe they're in the some index funds, a Vanguard, or something like that. Uh, and they're just like contributing to that little by little over time. I don't think that that cash flow is indicative of this investment flow up here. I think what we're seeing here is the massive amount of investments that hedge funds are making that that you know really wealthy people are making as opposed to you know the, the hundred dollars they're putting aside every month from a from a normal nine to fiver. So I'm just looking at this and I'm saying like and I said this to you yesterday. I was like I don't know that I, like from a financial perspective the only people that have real money are like the super rich people and and you know the wealth gap is getting bigger because those people are investing all the time. and They're able to continue to grow their wealth while everybody else is just really incrementally growing, which is the reason that the wealth gap is getting so so gigantic. And I'm, when I look at this, I'm like all of the well 99% of the wealth right now is flowing up to this spot. And then all of these other ones, you look at like uh, real estate, ecom, retail, media, energy, like those are all the things that are like targeting the everyday folk. But the finance is like, is only for like that top 1%. So if you look at the the allotment of cash and currency in this country, it's all going towards that. Like all of it is going there. And then other things are, you know, it's just, you know, peppered, peppered throughout, you know,
0: the other industries. Yeah, I mean, again, finance is a cheat code because finance, you know, when you're talking about, you know, investing in BlackRock or whatever, whatever hedge funds you want to go into, like you, you talk about, you know, they're investing $100 billion in Amazon. And you said with the Vanguard, you know, description, they're not putting in, uh, you know, 100 bucks from their last paycheck in, which is still a good practice to do for uh, small-time investors. But, you know, when they're, you know, like I said, they're, they're doing $100 billion in Amazon. They're doing $100 billion in Tesla. They're, they're doing, like, crazy, crazy, you know, big investments. And then these hedge fund managers, the way they make their money oftentimes is, you know, they'll do 2% of whatever the, the you know, the trade is. Uh, and then they'll go make they'll go making you, know, <laughs> you know, thirty million on some of these things, and so it's just it's just un- it's it's not an easier business by any means. I have a gentleman that I'm partners with in uh, my sushi restaurant, which um, you know me and him are talking about doing bigger things now. He hasn't in any of my other four places, but nice guy. But he he's moving up the chain, you know, uh, the, the ladder at his hedge fund, and, and you know he, every time he comes in to have a beer with me, he's like, "This shit sucks, man." Like, you're just going, like, he's working all hours of the day. Because, you know, although the, you know, the U.S. markets are, you know, 9 to 4, you know, the, the you know, Asian markets are not that way. You know, they're on a different time frame, so you're, you're working those. And the thing at the end of the day is when, when, you know, as a hedge fund, when those big investors that gave you millions of dollars come knocking about, you know, how, why are we down or why are we this, why are we that, you know, shit is it hits the fan for you a little bit, and people start pulling money, uh, and people start you, your hedge fund starts going, starts dwindling, and people start losing confidence in you. And it's now you gotta make a you gotta make a big trade in order to make to get the confidence back. But regardless of all that, hmm. uh, regardless of all all of what, what goes on in finance, I am intrigued. Uh, and the first thing I asked you, Sean, was you know hospitality. How many people are in hospitality? Because that's that's what I do right now. And obviously, I'd love to be on this list someday. But you know, when it comes to what I kind of do, is I, I've kind of looked at myself as kind of in that finance world, because although I've only invested in some in some restaurants as a time being, I don't really I don't really know a whole lot about hospitality. That's not really my my gig. You know, I've learned over the course of the last four years, uh, but I'm not like I'm not a hospitality expert by any means. You know, when I go in and, and do certain things, I look at numbers, I look at balance sheets, I look at profit loss statements. I do things like that, and then I go to my my COO, uh, who runs all, he runs four of my five spots, and I say, hey, listen, this is what I'm looking at from a numbers perspective. Put it into the restaurant world. What is it? Does it does it work out? Does this make sense? Does this not make sense? We have a discussion. I'm a pretty rational person, so I can, I can grasp what he's talking about and make, a, and make a decision from what he is giving me on the advice side from the restaurant side, make a decision, and you move on. And, you know, that's what I do. So I think that I can correlate that to pretty much any industry. It's just a matter of doing that, and as I get bigger, I, I hope, to do, hope to obviously uh, do more of those things. But, you know, when it comes to, like, actually making a ton of money, like talking um you know this is going to sound bad but my our me and my my brother's father uh once said his only piece of real business advice he ever gave to us was don't try to sell to the poor and sounds mean but when you really think about it he said listen they have to be a little bit more careful with every dollar that they spend. so when when something's even a little off of what they purchased if they're not hundred percent, you know, satisfied with their purchase, oftentimes they'll give, they'll ask for a refund, ask for it back because, you know, they just can't afford to do certain things where other people can't. And I remember when me and Sean were talking business about one of his business models recently, uh, maybe a month or two ago, I was saying, you know, let's say Sean was charging five thousand dollars. Let's say screw that. Let's say Sean, yeah, let's say Sean's charging five thousand dollars a month, of a service, and he's pitching it to me, and let I got, you know, five different restaurants. If I want to split up that thousand dollars because he's going to help me run my my businesses, the thousand dollars a month from all of my five restaurants, I mean that's that's not even a real it's not a, it's not a, it sound again sounds bad but it's not even a meaningful decision to me. You know if I think Sean is going to provide really any type of value that might make me some money, you know a thousand dollars from every one of my restaurants for a month for a twelve month thing, I mean it's not really a, a decision that even really need uh, sure, I'll throw a flyer at it. But when you talk about guys that let's say maybe they're, you know, just starting in the entrepreneurial world, they, you know, maybe they, they're doing they're doing okay um, outside of it. They'd say they have a six figure salary, which most people don't, but let's say they do in this scenario. They have a six figure salary outside of it and they decide to do this side business that they think they can make really good and Sean comes in and offers this service that he believes is worth five thousand dollars a month, you're talking about you know, you're talking about taking this sixty thousand dollars out of this guy's other side is his main source of income, pre-tax. You know, he's not coming away with a hundred thousand dollars, so he's probably coming away with let's say sixty five. He's got five grand left after p- paying Sean's services. And I'm not saying you know that Sean's services isn't worth it, but you you just when you're talking about actually making real money, being able to charge people real money. You know, you go to the people that have real money, that have the ability to go and spend this type of stuff, and it's interesting to look at these these four hundred people and see where all the, you know, you know, we're not, you know, on the real money scale yet, Sean. These people are are the real real money. But I don't e- I don't even see- know about that. I mean, the, this might be even fake. Yeah, money. that's
1: they they've, they've they've they're on the other side of the bell curve here. Like these, yeah, this they, is they, they this would, is this is like unicorn status. Like yeah, I told you, you, the think lowest think? person on this list was
0: two point something billion. Yeah, I, that's I, that's out that's outrageous. But when you talk to these people, th- these types of decisions they're not even going to make because it's and we're talking about you know sixty thousand dollars a year. That's, that's 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 a ton of money for ninety nine percent of the world, and the, these especially these people. But even people below them, people well 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 below them, even people like me, I'm not I'm not anywhere near these types of people in wealth. And like I said. I'm not even making this decision. I'm like, okay, if you think you can help my restaurants, my, all my restaurants for $60,000 a year, I don't even really, really know all that much about what you're talking about or, or what have you. Uh, let's send you this guy. Go talk to him. And I'll, and I'll tell that person that they have the ability to, to purchase this if they think it's meaningful to the places. And so, but now all of a sudden, and I'm even sitting in the meeting, but now all of a sudden, you, Sean comes in and says, hey, my product is, you know, let's say $30,000 a month. I'm sitting in the meeting, one hundred percent. I'm making Christian the model. Yeah, yes it is. <laughs> I'm I am i am making I'm making the decision. But, you know, at at let's say, you know, one of these big hedge funds that Ray Dalio runs, he might not even sit in on that meeting. You know, it's oh okay, that's we're not even not even close to his when it, he that's you know, three hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year. He's not he's not sitting in he that's not you know, he's his people that he work, that works for him are making millions a year. Three hundred sixty thousand dollars is, is an entry level guy that he just brought in that might it might get him coffee not get him coffee, but, <laughs> but he's just maybe just starting at his hedge fund because you have to have probably a, a, many years of experience to probably be at his hedge fund. So you're you're probably just talking to a, a low level employee to him. He's not sitting in on that meeting, and so you're talking about like perspective here and, and, and comparatively speaking what it means to certain people and where the money flows and what you're talking about, like what actual money is, uh, I think that advice that, you know, Papa Light gave me and gave Sean years and years and years ago is quite valuable. And although you can can make the argument that, you know, my my restaurants don't only serve the ultra wealthy, which they certainly do not. uh, I'm also doing something that, uh, you know, I'm looking at more of a volume number rather than a you know let's hit hit it big twice or three times to be making you know a million dollars a year type uh type business so it's well that's listen, that's it's, an interesting thing uh that you mentioned there i'm gonna try to pull
1: this because i tweeted it yesterday so one of the other things that i wanted to look at was how many of these folks on the list uh have like what percentage of them had like multiple streams of income because i know a lot of people a lot of people talk about it. I know I hear this a lot in, in the people that I work with. They're always like you know a passive income like how can I get multiple streams uh, and that's never remember this is the Forbes 400 wealthiest people in America uh, and well, let me find it here. 85% of the list had only one source of income responsible for their wealth. Only 60 people had multiple sources responsible for their wealth. Of the top twenty, there was only one who had multiple streams of income, uh, and that was Elon Musk. Uh, so, I mean, you look at the numbers, and Elon Musk—I mean, the guy's a unicorn. Like, we can't even—we can't even really look at this guy. He's insane. Uh, but you know, people—people like, people have only like they have like one thing that they do, and they do it really well, and that's the thing that uh, generates the income. The other interesting thing that I didn't mention earlier was that really the second. Industry uh, second most highly populated industry on this list uh, was entrepreneurs. Uh, I didn't I didn't say it because it's not really an industry. There were so many different categories and different things that people did uh, in the entrepreneurial space and the way I classified it was like if you had an idea and you went with it like and that was what you built like then I, I counted you as an entrepreneur and there were 80 people on the list. Yeah, so that's a head of tech. Uh, there's a head of real estate, medicine, e-com, retail, food, energy, media, sports teams, insurance companies, agriculture. It, entrepreneurs is like where the second most amount of money is flowing to. And if I, if, I bet if we even looked at the, the 105 people, or 127 people who did... Uh, who are in quote investments or private equity and those places. I bet so much of that is being flowed to those entrepreneurs. The, those, you know, the Elon Musk's, the Tesla's, the SpaceX's, the people who have ideas like that money's probably getting circled right back in into those people, because I think that's where that's where like the real money is being uh, is being generated there. Right. It's like cre- having a new idea and building something awesome. Uh, and then, the, you know, the, the financial sector is going to invest money back in, back into that. Uh, so I think it was just really interesting because so many pe- so many people are always talking about like multiple streams of income how can I get that and I understand the the desire for that but the people like I think Tony Robbins said that he didn't have a second stream of income until he was like 40 or 45 or something like that uh, and that by that time he was already like world famous for being a self help guy. Uh, and now he talks about all the other different streams of incomes and the other investments but if you get really really good at one you build like one incredible cash machine like I think like you look at the list, 85% of the Forbes top 400 are one stream of income people. Uh, that is something, that is a, that is a note that you want to tuck away for, for later.
0: Yeah, I think that when it comes to one stream of income, and this is what uh, also I think is, is worth mentioning to, the, to, to everyone, you know, entrepreneurs, you talk about, talk about like, let's say a Jeff Bezos right who who started amazon as theoretically entrepreneur i think they categorize them as something differently i put him in uh, i put him in as yeah and and then it did, yeah it does get a little messy
1: there because like little caesar's pizza the guy who invented that do <laughs> i put him in under food or do
0: i put him under entrepreneur i actually think i put him under food i i bet you probably like there's probably like if you went through this list because they're all billionaires I bet you it was probably like ninety percent of them uh, started their own business, which theoretically would be an option Yeah, started the but, hedge fund, started a private equity yeah. fund, no doubt. I just think I when I, I think some people get hung up, and this is what I, I want, you know, people to realize that what I do is I think people get hung up sometimes in that they they have to like they gotta be based in order to be in order to become a billionaire or in order to be that type of rich. You gotta you got all right. Well, what the fuck am I going to create? Amazon 2.0 like what am I gonna do here that's going to get me this type of wealth and you don't necessarily need to do that like what I, I, like I said back to what I was talking about with what I do in the restaurant world like I don't I have no fucking clue how to start a restaurant I've never attempted attempted it once it's my worst restaurant to be fair I had nothing to do with starting it I just invested in it so uh, but I've stayed away from it ever since because it's a tough business you know, people get sick and tired of the same shit every now and again, right? You don't want, you don't want the same place over and over again. And because of that, I've, I've considered selling the place. And I think that that's coming in, let say, the next year or so. But I just go and take other people's good ideas and, and buy it off them. Like, I, I have no interest in being like, oh, well, listen, if I sit down and make this business plan, if I do, you know, if we put flowers over there on the wall, I think people would really like that, and then we make this new this new, you know, dish that's gonna, everything's gonna be great, but we gotta price it at $43 because we, we gotta bring a chef in to be able to do this dish. I have no interest in doing any of that crap. All I wanna do is say, you have a good business, all right, I evaluate your business at let's say two times your bottom line so if you're making you know three million dollars a year I'll, I'll offer you six million dollars to buy the business. I'm probably gonna finance the thing you, I'm gonna tell you that if you want six you want six okay how about I give you seven and a half and I finance it for, for, for eight years at six percent interest which is fucking fantastic at this in this current climate and I'll I'll pay for eight years the business is gonna pay you off I, might even, I might, like no money's gonna leave my pocket. I'm just gonna make a deal, I'm gonna do a down payment, I'm gonna raise the down payment for some investors that wanna get to, wanna invest with me. I will raise the down payment, I'll go out, I'll buy the damn thing, the business is gonna pay the loan off uh, in seven years, the guy comes away with a million and a half more than he originally was gonna have, I get the business that I wanted at two times. By the time I've paid off the loan, because I had a, a, a two times valuation, by the time i paid off the loan, I've made my money back four different times. My investors would love me, I love me, everyone lives every happily ever after. But you talk about these big finance people. That's what they do. Like, you know, maybe one of them started the hedge fund, right? But they don't go out. All their, the hedge fund idea is, is a very basic idea. Let's go raise money from a bunch of people. I have a track record of having great uh, success in the, in the stock market and in let's say private equity. I, I do a, I've done a great job, great track record. So I'm going to go get a bunch of these really fucking rich people, and they're going to go flood me with money, and I'm going to have fifty million at my disposal to go to go uh, invest in. Now they're going to go and invest, and as long as they have continue that good track record, that that hedge fund is going to keep on growing, and they're going to get to 100 million, they're going to 200 million, and so on and so forth, and they're not investing. They're they're not you know he you know Ray Dalio not over there making a bunch of new businesses. He's investing in what he believes are good business ideas and good businesses already and lets them lets that money that he just invested go buy ten percent of this company and let it make him money. And all these all these different companies are giving him money and then he takes a little he takes a VIG off the top of it, he makes his money, he gives the he gives the rest to the investors or they rein, rein, reinvest those dividends. Or whatever the case may be. But I just don't want people to think at home that you have to start your own you know Amazon or Tesla or whatever it is uh in order to become really rich it's just not true and like you've seen Sean on your fort for, not fortune for, <laughs> Forbes Forbes 400 list you just it's just flat out wrong Mo- most of the people don't do that most of the people go invest in other people's businesses and make money from them yeah they don't do it themselves so like it's not you do need money. Uh, you know, I remember Alex Trembowe. We've talked about that on this podcast, where he says, "You want to make a million dollars, go buy something for for eight million and sell it to someone for ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very simplistic version of what I'm kind of talking about here. Is you know you don't need it. You, you know, go get into this industry. You get into the you know I le- I bought restaurants from having a having a drinking habit in my baseball playing days. And coming home in the off season, and and going out and meeting people, and then eventually met the owners, and eventually the owners were like, "Well, you probably have money. played baseball, sure. and you seem like a co- you seem like a cool guy. You want to invest in this place? Sure, I'll invest in this place." And then the ball rolls. But I, I, I show people get hung up on on I I gotta be in my basement, <laughs> I gotta be in my mom's basement thinking about ideas of uh, how to sell Pokemon cards and turn it into a billion dollar business in order to in order to become a billionaire. You just you just you just don't have to do that. It
1: is it is it is. Yeah, I mean there's there's so much to
0: talk about there. Uh, the thing
1: that's interesting to me in in that in that light is like what I what I'm what I'm curious of is and this is like one of the reasons that you you know you analyze this list is it's like what do these people know that I don't? What is different? And one of the things that is really hard to grasp. I'm going to I'm gonna, Try to do my best here to help you here and help myself even. Is like how much money? Like Elon Musk has two hundred fifty-one billion dollars. Billion. The next closest is Jeff Bezos, which is a hundred billion less. Uh, and one of my favorite examples of this all time uh, is in Tony Robbins' book, Money Master the Game. He he's like trying to show you like how much a billion dollars really is. Uh, and he's like what, I, the, what the experience or the activity has everybody do and, and everybody at home if you're if you know you should do this because it really does put things into perspective is think about like your dream lifestyle like the absolute like craziest dream lifestyle you could have like where are you going to live what cars are you going to drive do you have a chef do you have a helicopter like all this stuff. And like literally do the research. Like if you want a Bugatti, like go find out like what does it cost to finance a Bugatti? Like what is it? And I went through this process. So there's a a penthouse in Manhattan. I was like, this would be amazing. It was like $15 million. I'll take that. I'll take a Tesla uh, and I'll take a Ford F-150 Raptor. Uh, I'll take a private chef. I'll take a part-time driver. And I like literally went through And like I wanted my own airplane, like all this stuff. And I went through the math and I did it. Uh, And I'm not going to ask you, Patrick, because I think I've asked you this before. But the total, like, that I would need to make per year to to afford, like, break even on that, is, and I'm pausing for effect here, four hundred and seventy thousand dollars or something like that. Uh, And like, people are like. Like whoever's doing that lifestyle that I just explained is like a bazillionaire, right? Like way more. Like in that four hundred, that's that's less than league minimum for for a professional baseball player or an NBA player. Like that's not. It's not nearly as much money as people really think. And when you think about like how much is a billion, like people say like I need to be a billionaire. I want to make a billion dollars. Like a billion is way. It's like way further out than you think. There's, listen to this. It in a million seconds patrick a million seconds is 11 days 13 hours and 46 minutes a, m- a million seconds 11 days a billion seconds is 31 and a half years 11 days versus 31 and a half years that is how di- that is how much different a billion dollars is than a million dollars right that's crazy and only like, you talk 250 251 so like me i'm like like these guys are thinking in completely different terms like even us sitting here talking about uh do i charge five grand a month do i charge 30 grand a month like those numbers are irrelevant like we aren't even in the ballpark of what the guys on this list are talking about because like uh like the, it's, it's just so skewed in a different direction so my my big question is and my big thumb the reason that i do all this is like what do they know that I don't what are the, how are they thinking? What in terms of what are you thinking? Are you not thinking in terms of money? Are you turn thinking in terms of value? Are you thinking in terms of billions? Are you ter, thinking in terms of millions? Like, like what are you doing differently than a normal person? Uh, Elon Musk just is a money machine. Uh, what is what is your thought process that I am not picking up? Uh, and that's like that to me is like the reason for like picking up my iPad and scrolling through this list. 30 times to find where all this money is and how all of this is going down. Like that is uh, and, and one of the cool things, is Elon Musk just takes over Twitter. Shout out Twitter. We're on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, one of the things he told the employees that he's trying to convince to stay is he goes, I know how to win. Tell me, Elon. Tell me how to do that. Like, what do you know that I don't?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> You know, when you have, I, I say the fir- the first thing you definitely need when trying to become this type of a person, I think you really need a, a strong appetite for risk because there is just, it, I, I, like I said, you know, I don't believe in the Gary Vee model that everybody can go do this. I think that... Do you believe I, that I kindness pe- is delicious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I, I think that certain people are cut out for this world. And cut out for this type of uh, environment, and I think a lot. To, you know, I think uh, you know me having played baseball. I think that has a lot to do with uh, you know that type of stuff. Is where you just kind of, kind of ingrained in you to, to do these types of things. But I think when it comes to these these types of guys and these types of women who go out there and make a tremendous amount of money, you know, it, you know they ha- they just they just have it. They, it's it's almost like an intangible. It is an intangible where these can you guys create it. Probably not. I I don't know that you can create it. I think the close, I, I think in order to have, like it be an Elon Musk and so, and, so, and, and you know, a Bezos, you obviously need to be intelligent. I don't think you need really a personality because you know, you look at Mark Zuckerberg, that guy, you know, you, having a drink with him wouldn't be that exciting. <laughs> so, He's picking I up the damn tap. Actually, maybe you're yeah, not. I think person. Yeah, I think personality might play a role, but not, I don't think you need, like, you know, a charismatic personality. I think, you, mu- I think, you know, there's a, there is a, a certain type of person they're expecting to see up there that's going to tell me about this new tech, and if it's not what they're envisioning, regardless of what that, that, that type of person looks like, I think that hurts. I think it, it, it's it's not, obviously not just one thing. It's probably not just a couple things. It's, it's, a, it's a bunch of different stuff, and depending on what industry you're in will affect it. But you just I think there is one thing that I think they all have in common, and that is the appetite for risk. I mean, how many times have we seen these stories now where, oh, the guy dropped out of Harvard, and then <laughs> now he's Bezos. Like, oh, okay. Well, that, that certainly takes an appetite for risk in order to just drop out of Harvard or whatever. I think Zuckerberg was Harvard, but you know, I think that's something that you see constantly over and over again in these types of things. I also don't. And then you have I a, I, I, the, the the term. You're right. Appetite for risk. Uh,
1: I, I I I don't like the term. I agree with what you're saying, but I don't like the term because it, it to me it sounds like like they're like like hedging against risk like they're like like okay I know what this is and I'm I'm you know I'm doing it I don't think they feel that way I don't think that Mark Zuckerberg I don't think Elon Musk feels the risk like like we do um I, I you know it, I it's just it's just a, it's a it's a word thing that I don't like I just feel like these guys don't that it's not it's not like a willingness to take it on it's a it's an I really don't feel this like I'm just uber confident and I'm just going for this. I don't think that I don't think that they like they have butterflies in their stomach. Uh, you know, I don't think I don't think Elon Musk had butterflies in his stomach buying Twitter. I don't think he has butterfly. I think he gets nervous for sure, but I don't think that I don't think it, I don't think they feel the same way about risk. It's hard to explain. I, but well, I just don't like the term. No, I know.
0: I understand what you're saying. I, I get uh, There is probably no perfect phrase for it, but that's where I think the, the first word comes into play, in an appetite, and an appetite would seemingly mean you want it. So the, the, the feeling for risk is certainly changed for these types of people where some people have no appetite, some people have negative appetite. they yeah. just don't think they're like I don't think they're
1: like, I don't know. I just don't feel like they're, I don't think no, risk well, is playing they're, a they're role not,
0: like it does for normal people. I I I I would I I know it's starting to play a normal role. That's why they're able yeah. to go do what they want. Their appetite for risk is enormous, and then they go out and they they know what they're doing is risky. Yeah. I, I I highly doubt that they don't know that. They're not looking at it as risk, but the risk when it gets to a certain point is when you feel it, and it's when they've they've gone over their appetite of what that is. Now they're starting to feel that yeah. risk. They don't risk feel any of this risk. Or something. Yeah. They don't feel any of this stuff because they that's is what they do. Uh this is how how they operate. Uh, but I, I regardless of the phrase you want to use, you know, this is something you just need to have, in my opinion, uh, to be able to operate at a high level and make a no ton much, of money. No question. I mean they've all taken risks. What, big risks. Yeah, and it's the it's the it's the one thing that I can see because you see so many different types of personalities, you see so many different types of people that that you know have made this kind of money that the one thing you just you you constantly go back to is that these people just view risk in a very different way they don't care about it it is not relevant it's relevant but it's not relevant in the way that most people will see it whereas you know they always say that you know the stock market you know when a few people sell everyone sells and it's like okay well that doesn't make any sense in any any way shape or form besides the fact that you need you maybe you need the money and you can't you can't afford to lose it uh but you know when everyone's selling because let's say bad news hit you know bad news hit uh let's just say apple for example or let's say facebook cuz that's when people bad news hits facebook one of the top companies in the S&P 500 bad news hits facebook and now people are selling selling their whole S&P 500 <laughs> index because they're nervous. So you just sold off 500 companies because one of them had bad news. You try to de-risk yourself because the whole market was getting hit because Facebook's a big company. The whole market was getting hit because people were nervous about Facebook. That's outrageous, it doesn't make any sense. You know, that's like a, that's like a, that's like a restaurant in California you know, it had some bad PR, and you sold off your three restaurants in Hoboken because of it. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so those guys don't do things like that. Those, those guys, it, that doesn't make any sense to them. They wouldn't even consider it. So and when, when you're talking about getting you know, to this level of, of uber, uber, you know, wealth, you know, their relationship with risk is such a different one. Like I said, that's the only thing that I've seen. You now I haven't studied things, you know, intensely, but that's the only thing that I have seen that is consistent in all of them. Whether you're a hedge fund manager, whether you're you are know, an entrepreneur, where you're you know in real estate, whatever, real estate probably the safest of the bunch. But whatever the case might be, when it comes to these types of things or when these types of people. It seems as though that, a- that appetite, that, that relationship with risk is almost the same with all of them. And it is a huge appetite. They're willing to risk a ton to get what they want. I mean, look at what Zuckerberg's right now doing with Meta. Not everyone's bought in on Meta. Nobody is. You know, Yeah, like I'm still over there. I have the, the Quest, and I got to take a 45-minute break every time I use it be- afterwards because it, it makes me feel all disoriented. I, I like being in it. It's kind of cool but then thing you know I'm a little nauseous or something like that so like and he's take he's he's betting the house on meta right now facebook's getting crushed instagram's getting hit hard you know he's betting the house on something that not you know very few people have bought in on but like you said his his relationship is risky yeah, he he bets on himself that's what he does and he believes that this is the next thing so he's going all in on it i like that and who knows yeah, yeah, so I like it Facebook too. why Facebook is what Facebook you, is. I, yeah, I bet you a lot of those Facebook investors don't love yeah. it. But, uh, you know, this is this is what he's doing. And I think he's forgetting, in my opinion, and we've discussed this, I think he's forgetting the little engine that could over there at Facebook that's the one that's, that's churning out all the money to be able to go do something like this. Uh, but, you know, it is, this is just who these people are. And at the end of the day, these 400 people um, – the the only similarity that i have seen throughout all of these people is just they just don't give a shit about risk. They're going to go in, they're going to analyze what what's going on. They're going to see what they think is is the right move, and then they make a move regardless of the cost, regardless of all that. They think it's the right move, and this is the right move for the business, and this is what's going to make the most money. This is what they're going to do, and they're going to figure out a way to do it. That's that's just that's just who they are. Story. Is there risk though? Think about
1: this. Like what you, do you think mean? about like like I see, I understand where where like the word and why everybody uses it and why we're using it right now. But you know, you look at a guy like like Elon Musk. Like you look at a guy like Jeff Bezos. Like if they, if you ask them, like if they, let's say Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, either any of these people on my on that list, do you just took over my business or your business right today? Automatically, like if Elon Musk takes over your business right now, you just assume that it's going it's going to skyrocket right i don't know how high it's going to go but he's he's going to make it significantly better right yeah so if that's the case like there has to be something that we're not seeing where he is like has just the uber confidence of like guaranteeing that like i'm going to this is going this this is going to work i'm i there is no risk i'm 100% positive i know how to win right and I, I understand like like the credibility of Elon Musk he's a friggin celebrity but most people on this list everybody on this is probably would be able to take over our businesses and make them significantly better which lends me to believe that there isn't as much risk there as we thought
0: yeah I, well, I think the the risk is is associated with you you know if you obviously there's risk in certain industries um, there's more risk in uh, certain others than, than than there are in the, in some other ones but you know no you know if i went start an amazon right. try to start an amazon right now me you know my risk is much greater than what jeff bezos risk would be starting amazon because jeff bezos knows how to do those things way better than i know how to do those things uh but you know there there might You're right there would be less risk for someone who's you know more more knowledgeable, or you know maybe not knowledgeable. Whatever they, that intangible factor that these people have, that they have it. Uh, there's probably less risk involved with them, but uh, I can't say the same for for all. And the I people. guess that's so why. I, I guess that is.
1: I mean, my whole my whole business is built on the 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 back of it is not when you look at like where you want to be if say you want to be you know elon musk it's like it's don't show you can't show you how to get there that'll never work you have to like who must i become to get to that level like 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 what tolerance of risk how much knowledge uh, you know how productive like all of those things is like what gets you to that level and you know when i when when we look at that it's like like what is the strategy to actually get up to 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 get there and it is not necessarily about like checking boxes and following the steps it is becoming the elon musk like how like what are the things that go into becoming an elon musk becoming a jeff Bezos, becoming uh a sarah blakely becoming you know all of these folks like how what is that and that i think is the recipe to uh, actually getting onto a list like that
0: no i agree with that i would agree um anywho great show and I, I do I I'm not ignoring the people that have requested. Uh, although it looks as though they may be out of the, out of here now, I I haven't been looking quite intently at who was in the in the thing. So I apologize, but I didn't want to take any requests today solely because I I would really like um, to see if we can figure out a way to make sure they ends up on the podcast. Uh, because right now we ha- we don't have that capability because we record the audio outside of uh, Twitter Space. But appreciate everyone joining in. I saw you know quite a number of people in here at, at certain times and um yeah i, I ha- happy have a happy thanksgiving to everybody uh and um enjoy thanksgiving eve for those drinkers out there i'll be enjoying a few a few drinks myself and until next time guys uh we will uh see you later sorry we're closed